Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Podcast lovers, how the fuck are you friends? Welcome to the show. Lions Lounge Lockdown is sponsored for the entire 2021 season by Match Scaffolding. Match Scaffolding is a company that is owned and operated by a Millwall season ticket holder and personal friend of mine. So, if you want some scaffolding in your life, please don't hesitate to check out Match Scaffolding's contact details in the description of this audio podcast offering. Our guest today is another local boy done good. This is a spin-off. Lions Lounge Lockdown, one of our own. He is a hero Amongst Mill fans, he needs no further introduction. His former boxer, Peckham boy, the Pexican, Johnny Garton, former British welterweight champion. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 48. Enjoy. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 48. Johnny Garton. John, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you for having me. Love the shirt, mate. Love the shirt. I've put it on especially for you today. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. How you been? How's lockdown been treating you? It hasn't really affected me, to be honest. I've still been getting about normal business. I shouldn't really say that, but, um, you know, I just, I'm, you're not obviously seeing as many people, but, uh, you know, I'm still going to see my mum, take the kids to see my mum. And, uh, yeah, apart from shops not being open, that's the only problem. But, uh, yeah, it's not really bothering me. I'm working and getting on with it, really. Like to my feet, everyone's had enough, absolutely had enough now, aren't they? Right, so let's go back to the very beginning. Born in Dulwich, 1987. Well, um, I was born, well, I've always lived in Peckham, but I was born in Dulwich Hospital, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, because that's it. I had to find my mum a minute ago because, um, I shared your post, and then I see my uncle said he wasn't born in Dulwich, and I found him, I went. I'm sure I was born in Dulwich. She went, yeah, you was Dulwich Hospital. I went, yeah, John said I weren't. And then she, she was like, my sister was born in Kings. I was born in Dulwich. Right, right. Um, yeah, so you're yeah, born in Dulwich Hospital and uh, grew up in Peckham. What was it like as a youngster yeah. growing up in the 90s in Peckham? Loved it, loved it. Um, you know, we weren't all these computers and sitting indoors. It was, it was out in the estate. It was, growing up on my estate, there was loads of us. There was just kids everywhere. Everyone knew each other. And uh, it's just, Go out the front door and just run around and rob riot, and that was it. Really, just causing trouble. <laughs> when was, uh, yeah. When did you first realise that like Millwall was a thing, an actual existing thing that you sort of your family and your friends were going to? Do you remember that? 
A little bit, not great, if I'm honest. Um, my mum used to take my mum because my mum was a single parent growing up, and um, so she used to take me, Millwall, with one of her mates, and obviously their their boy. And then she used to say, not every week, but pretty much whenever we had a home game, try and get us down there. And then um, it, she stopped taking me when we had um, Chelsea at home. We drove with Chelsea at home in the cup. Yeah, nil nil. Nineteen ninety five. That was. I was fifteen. I remember that game. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I think I was about seven or eight. Something like that. Yeah. And it kicked off bad, like bad. And it was um, it was right where we were sitting. So then after that, Mum stopped taking me then. And then obviously, I used to just try and go with other people's dads and they sat down by then. I got to a bit older and used to just start going with some of the boys from the estate. And um, yeah, it just went from there, really. Did you um, have any heroes, Millwall heroes, growing up, players-wise? Uh, it's got to be, got me, it's got to be Kale. I used to love um, Ifill as well. But, uh, that was like my sort of team, like Kale, Ifill, you know, obviously Paul Shaw, Skinhead, so I used to like Paul Shaw. Oh, because well, he had a Skinhead. Yeah, <laughs> he was a great player, though, wasn't he? Great striker. He was, yeah, great striker. And obviously, you can't miss out Neil Harris, an absolute legend. But um, yeah. What um, was you any good yourself at football growing up? Not really. I was a I was an okay goalkeeper, but um, I I weren't really that great. And then um, I spent I stopped playing when I was about fifteen, and then um, just went to being a little teenager and a little shit basically. <laughs> An interesting one because you didn't get into boxing till you was 18. Um, you're the second second person I spoke to today that got into what they did very, very late. What, what made you go down that route and get into boxing? Basically, um, I was out drinking pretty much all the time. Uh, I, I felt I started going out from when I was about 15, 16. I used to say to my mum, sat at someone's ass and just nick down the world upside down or the scene or something like that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I was drinking, eating crap, getting into fights, and then my mate said he started going down the Lynn AC on um, the end of uh, Burgess Park. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, yeah, I'll come down with you. So I went down there a couple of times, and um, yeah, and, uh, after a few weeks, a few of the boys said, oh, do you want to fancy a spa? So me thinking, you know, I'm a kid from Peckham where I can have a go, I got in there and got absolutely battered. Boxing, it's not just a scrap, there's a lot more to it, so... Um, yeah, they absolutely battered me. And then me being a little street kid, I thought, oh, I'm going to go back and do them. So I kept going back, kept going back, kept getting beat up, kept getting beat up. And then uh, over time, I started to notice more people want to spar me. And then I was getting beat up even more. But then slowly it faded out where people didn't want to spar me as much. And obviously I was getting better and better. And um, my old coach, Terry Palmer, um, he gave me a big speech one day, like, oh, I'll have a fight. And I said, no, I can't really be asked. I just want to come down here, train, I enjoy being in the gym. And he, and he gave me a big speech and I said, all right, I'll, I'll have a fight. I think it turned out my first seven attempts to have a fight all got cancelled. I went to weighed in and they all got cancelled just due to different things, opponents not turning up, weight difference, etc. They said, oh, what we'll do, we'll just, um, we'll just throw you into a novice championship. So I went, all right, yeah, so we got into championships, <clears throat> weighed in for the Southeast Divs. They had no one for me to fight. So I then got through to the uh, London quarterfinals or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, a box, who did I box? A box on Russian kid. Because I've always liked boxing because my cousin used to box when I was younger. And my cousin boxed an unlicensed fight for a European title. 
And then obviously when I had my first bat and it's that obviously it's our boxes Russian kid who he beat for the European title. And that was my first fight and I bashed him up. And then uh, they went, Oh, you threw to the semi-finals tomorrow night. Now, what do you mean tomorrow? Now, yeah, you got to fight again tomorrow. And I went back next day and got beat. But um, yeah, it just took off from there, really. Do you think it's like the second night you got beat? You think that could have been just a bit of a inexperienced fit- fitness thing, maybe, or something? Just weren't prepped uh, for two on the bounce. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I was just um, the kid. He was a good kid. He was uh, he was good. He was very skillful. But then I went on to beat him a couple of months after that. So uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. But I think the winning is of. Winning the the fight, I was addicted then, but then also losing. I hate losing. Yeah. And uh, that put a bit of taste in me. I thought, I'm going to have a couple more fights. And I had a couple more fights. One then, then I had that, um, the fellow that beat me, what was his name? Uh, David Groom from Ellsfield. Uh, I'm never forgetting David Groom, he beat me. Then I fought him a couple of months later in another championship in the final when I beat him. Right. So at this point, you're sort of a teenager, a little bit of an Herbert. Did you find that you know getting into boxing sort of give you a little bit of a purpose and settled you down a bit? Not really, because at that time I was still I weren't really taking it serious. I was doing it of enjoyment. So I was, yeah. I was going training three days a week, sometimes two days a week, then uh fighting whenever I got a chance. And then I was going out on the piss on the weekends. And uh yeah, it weren't until I think uh, the year after, or no, a couple of years after I boxed um you know, a London Championship fire on a geezer from Epsom, New York. I can't remember his name, but we literally had an absolute tear up. And then after the fight, we both had to lay down. We were both knackered. And I thought to myself, you either got to take this seriously and right knuckle down or call it day now. So and then from there... Did you have a full-time job at this point? Yeah, I was working. But I think I was an apprentice at the time. Right. So then you, when you make this transition between professional and amateur, do you have to get... <laughs> As you go about that, you have to get, you know, you have to be good, obviously. Not anyone can just do it. You have to get sponsored. You have to give up work or as, as it worked in, in a boxing, as I was saying to you off screen, it's, it's different to football, isn't it? Everything's a lot, everything seems a lot harder. It's a lot less high profile, not being rude. But it, like, to, if you become a footballer, it's, it's so easy. They get all the dough, all the cars, all the everything, don't they? But yeah, yeah. boxing especially is noted for not just being a hard sport, but one that takes a lot of endeavour to get into properly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, when I when I first turned pro, I was 24, so I was still working. I was a mechanic, and um, yeah, I was working full time. Uh, was I working eight till five? Then going to the gym, and the gym was in um, where was it? Alperton. We used to use Kettle's gym in Alperton. Yeah. So I'd go work from eight till five, then go to the gym. If I hadn't been for a run, I finished my run, and then go from uh, go for a run after training. If I had a fight coming up, I'd have to go and sell my tickets after I finished training and running. And um, that went on for a good few years because I never really got sponsored. I had a few little sponsors here and there, but that didn't really go on until I won my English title. So you're dedicating yourself to it, but again, it's not, not, not a great reward until you sort of get a lot further down the line. You don't go get a pro and get a fucking contract with someone, do you? You know what I mean? No, no, because it's hard. Unless you're on a TV deal with boxing, then that's when you can earn the money. Like, there's good money when you're on TV. If you're not on TV and you're on non-TV shows, yeah. then there is no money in the game. Literally, you have to work. Like, um, if me and you was fighting, I'd say, like, John, you've got to sell £2,000 worth of tickets yeah. and out of that, you get 1500 quid. 
Right. And she, and that's how it goes. And that's how it went up till I won. Poor. What did I have to get? Up? Yeah, until I won my defending my English title, basically. So I most of my fights earning very little money. I've always wondered this as well. It's another part of it. You've got to be so focused on. I mean, I'm not, I've never. I was always. Well, I was going to say it was a lover, not a fire, but I've never been either. Um, you know, if the thought of getting bashed up, I'd like it hurt me. I just want to go back after the blow and not leave it. You have got to have a little, little bit of hardness about it, a little bit of respect, don't you? Like and decorum, but also like, like you said, selling the tickets and stuff like that. Like, does that distract you sometimes from what you actually the fucking job at hand? So yeah, is um, sometimes it's frustrating, um, especially when you're fighting uh, the titles and you have to sell a certain amount of tickets to get paid. And when you like, because us being Millwall fans, everyone leaves everything to the last minute. So um, I might sell down, like say, fifty tickets, mm. and I'll have like, a week to go, and I'll be thinking, "Shit, I'm not going to get paid for this fight. I'm not going to be able to fight." And then all of a sudden, within that week, I've sold two hundred tickets, and then all of a sudden, I'm paid then. But um, yeah, so like the last week of a, a fight was is very stressful because you're trying to sort out your tickets, you're trying to make weight, you're trying to focus on your fight. You're just trying to get everything right. But at the end of the day, you're more worried about tickets rather than anything. But then, as a, uh, another point, it might take your mind off the game a bit more. So you're not really concentrating on the fight as much. Nice and relaxed sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You know, Millwall fans, obviously, you're, you're renowned for having a big Millwall following. And singing your songs at the um, at your fights and that. Obviously, you know, it must mean a lot to you have, have the Millwall fans behind you. Uh, listen, I... Well, I don't know any other Millwall boxers who's had a support like me. Um, you know, they're fantastic. And it has been, well, for me, it's been a blessing, you know. I love it. And when you're out there and you're in that raw, it's, it just gives you, like, the uh, hairs and stuff, like, back in your neck stand-up. Even um, Bradley Ski used to say to me all the time, I can't wait for you to fight. I, mean, I just love it. Because he didn't know it was a raw, but he'd go, when they go, like, me. And uh, <laughs> I love it when they do that. And all of a sudden, he'd walk out next to me every time. And then when he used to hear it, he used to punch me on the arm. And go, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I love it. And uh, whenever I, after that, whenever I used to walk into a changing room or a gym, literally everyone would go, me. That was, uh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, so, and you can't beat it. The, um, you can't beat a meal crowd no matter where you go. It's definitely a, a bug thing that catches on, mate, in it as well. Did you not say, Bradley Skett, come, come down to Denver, you'll see it done proper, do you know what I mean? I did, I did say to him a few times, come to a big game against like Leeds or someone, he went, yeah, I'll have to, but <laughs> he ain't come along yet. I'll have to drag him along one day. <laughs> Let's talk about your professional fights. 27 fights, 24 wins, only two losses, one, one early and then one near the end, and one draw. That, that's a great, that is a great um, record, mate, really good record. And I used to know about your boxing, not just because I was a Millwall fan, because I grew up with a couple of cousins, Jody and Drew. So you can't, oh, yeah. <laughs> can't, you can't miss it on their Facebook page, especially Drew. She's absolutely loved it. <laughs> you just, along for me, a long time, you kept winning and winning, but not really getting the shots you should have got. Was that wrong to say that? Um, no, to be, a lot of people have said that, but then that I think that was the curse of being a Millwall fan. It sounds it is to say, because um, every time I had a fight, it was like, oh, he brings a big Millwall crowd. But then I was always in that predicament where you want me to sell tickets. I sell tickets. I bring a great atmosphere. Everyone always complimented me on my, um, like, the crowd I bring. But they go, ah, oh, but you're going to bring Millwall fans. They're all lunatics. Like, they smashed the place up. I think not one fight 
as there been where there's been a fight? You know, yeah. this went on for years. Although, no, I think I had, when did I fight for my English British title? The only fight it was was a British title, and that was just due to one of them things. But um, up to that, I had 20 odd fights, not one bit of trouble. And every fight, I still had, you bring a meal, Craig, there's going to be trouble. I even got banned from um, the coronet on Old Kent Road. I was a box a lot on the Old Kent Road, and I got banned from there in the end because they said there was a massive fight, and there weren't no fight. And it just turned out I knew the bouncer, and I, I got him to look into it. He went, no, there weren't no trouble. And then- Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. Yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He went up higher up to the head office and they said, no, there weren't trouble. We just heard he brings big mill crowds. We don't really want him in here. Fucking hell. Can't win then. So it was by the end. They asked you to sell tickets. They went to bring a good crowd. But then if you're a Millwall fan, you're scum, basically. And that is how it was. Fucking hell. It's talk about um, yeah. Fucking well, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm off. Oh, I can't believe that. I don't know why I'm surprised because we know we know how it goes with us. Let's talk about your titles. Your first one, Southern Area. Yeah, it's a good fight. Yeah, um, Adam Battle. Um, yeah, Adam Battle, good fight. It was a 50-50 fight. Very cocky. Thought he was gonna knock me out, but um, yeah, it didn't go his way. <laughs> do you do you like partake in all that? All the all the, all the trash talking, all that. You're not really that sort of geezer, are you? Not really. I, I try not to get um, too emotionally involved. If it's, I know, obviously, I'm in there fighting, but um, it's, boxing's weird because if you use it to whip me out on the street, I'd lose my temper. And I would really, like, go off my head. But in a boxing ring, for some reason, I just couldn't lose my temper. I don't know why. I suppose it's the discipline, but, um, yeah, I just never lost my temper. You can as well, Because you? you can lose your head, go running in, you'll get, you can get caught. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know what it is, but... Um, I just never lost my temper. If you used to me on the street, then yeah, if I, 
I'm going off the head. But um, see, I didn't really get into all that um, trash talking. And everyone used to say to me, I say this, say that. I used to just think, I'm here to fight. When you know I come, you know I'm never going to back down from anyone. And you know I'm never going to quit. So you, And I want to come forward fighter. So I'm always going to be in a good fight. I don't need to talk. Mm. And then um, I think over the years, when I started to get shown on TV, people did realise that. But, um, yeah. I read an article today where you, you said that. You said you kept coming forward so much. Your trainer just said, look, just stand off, a, sometimes back off a little bit. You didn't want to do it, but in the end, you said it made it, you made it such a good fight, such a better fight for it. Well, yeah, when I first turned uh, pro from amateur, I knew I needed to work on my defence because obviously I ended up with nose like this and I had a few injuries as an amateur from fighting. And then uh, Alan Smith, a great coach, and Eddie Lamb, uh, both quite defensive coaches. So I went there and then for the first year, Every time I stepped forwards, it was back off. I'd stop the spar there and then go backwards. I was like, no, 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 go backwards. It was either go backwards or hold the centre. So I weren't allowed to go forward. And at, at first I struggled, but I thought I'd just keep with it because I've, I've got to learn. And then, um, yeah, it slowly started to pay off. I mean, is, is 18, I mean, I don't know a great deal about boxing. Is that a late age to come into boxing, 18 years old, to, for the first time ever to come into the boxing ring? Um... I wouldn't say it was my first time ever. I'd obviously been there every now and then with my cousin, but um, I've never really took up it properly. Mm. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's quite a good age, to be honest, because you get a lot of great junior kids and they get to 16, 17, they start realising birds and alcohol and then they go the other way and they've just lost all their, um, you know, how good they was. It's, it's happened to so many kids. And uh, I think I was sort of just in the mix when I got to a point where I think, what do I want to do? And, Obviously, I chose boxing. Yeah, and it paid off, mate. You get your second title, the vacant English welterweight title against uh, Ryan Fields. Yeah, that's a good fight, yeah. through that one. Another one everyone expected. Um, I remember I got that fight because um, who did he fight? I can't think of who he fought. I was in Birmingham to watch Bradley Skeet fight Sam Egerton for the British title. Mm. And then uh, <laughs> my trainer texted me because I was in the crowd and he said, watch this next fight. You've got the winner, and it was for the uh, I think it was a vacant Midlands area title. And then obviously, Ryan Fields knocked him out. And as soon as he got it, they said he's got the garden. And I remember on Twitter, all the boxing people was going, Oh, he's gonna knock Garton out, he's too big, he's too strong. And then, uh, yeah, and I remember when I got him, I thought, He ain't that, he ain't that strong, really. And then, uh, I caught him with a lovely left hook. I thought, No, what it to be, um, uh, punch of the year or knockout of the year. And uh, yeah, it was good, it was a good shot. Brilliant, mate. You um, you, you feared no one, then, did you? Obviously, say he was maybe the most experienced to start off with, but then just coming to your own, you've got to have no fear going into that ring. I don't, I don't see the point of being a boxer if you're scared to fight people. It's, it's, it doesn't make no sense, does it, really? No. And uh, it was it was bred into me. Like, even you asked Drew or Jody, I think all my family, from kids, it was bred into us. If someone hits you, you hit them back. And um, so if I was in a pub... I ain't going to ask them, well, how big are you or what weight are you? Or, you know, if someone hits you, you just hit them. Yeah, you yeah. know, so that's been my mentality. If I'm going to fight anyone in the pub, then I'll fight anyone in the rings. And that's, that's just how I've been brought up. Yeah, no, I do. They I don't know with uh, me all fans, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do know your family, mate. They're um, a lovely but lively bunch, shall we say. Yeah, very lively. <laughs> so uh, that, that last fight against Fr uh, Fields, where was that? Because you fought a lot of times at your call. What's it like to fight there? Um, your call, I love your call. He's, he's very, um, 
very compact. It feels like the, the crowd are in the ring with you. When it, um, you know, when they go off, it you do hear it bad in there. It's good. The next two titles you win is one as an IBF European welterweight title, and obviously in 2018 you win the British welterweight title. Now you was obviously ecstatic to win both, but which one would you say you enjoyed winning the most? Ah, uh, British title. The British title was my all-time dream, and. Uh, yeah, uh, I never thought I was going to win it, to be honest with you. I, I just thought it was one of them titles I always dreamt of, but I'd never win it. And, uh, yeah, when I remember when I won it, I, well, I went back to the change and I cried my eyes out. Well, really, mate, do you know what? I, I knew that was going to be your answer. So I, I don't really know loads about boxing, but I've looked at the stats. IBF European welterweight or British welterweight, and I just, from the both sets of footage, I could see you as slightly more, but like that was your dream was the second one. So why is that? A, yeah. for, for a non-boxing person... Why is that better than a European title? That's, that's a, just a question I got for myself. Well, to be fair, the, it's not the Europeans, it's the IBF European title. So to be honest, it's just a made-up title just to make more money. Oh, fuck me, all right, fair enough. <laughs> that's all it is, because basically you've got the um, four world titles, which is the WBO, the WBC, the IBF, and then they've all now made their other little belts that go off it. And you know, obviously that is just the European version of the IBF. With you. So, um, With you. Yeah, and then they stripped me. I won it, and then they stripped me straight after because I didn't defend it in time or something like that. So, well, not straight after, but a couple of months after uh, uh, because I didn't defend it, they stripped me of it. So, yeah. So how, many, how many fights are you supposed to be having, roughly? You ain't, so you, you ain't really got to have, unless you sign a contract, you ain't really got any. Really? Because I was, I think with Frank Warren, I was fighting. Uh, what was I signed for? What was I signed for? I think I was a three-year deal. It weren't really. I think it was meant to be like four fights a year, but then that didn't bloody happen. So, they, but there's always like a sort of a clause in it. They're, they're very clever the way they do things. What? So, what was he like to deal with Frank Warren? What he sucked you in almost? Or not? Nobody saying that. No, to be honest, uh, I never really had much to do with Frank Warren. It was all through the manager, Frank. Um, I spoke to my manager every now. I've never really spoke to him neither, to be honest. Um, I just said, "Tell me when I'm fighting, and we get on with it." And tell me who I'm fighting. And that was that. What be your then, preparation uh, going into a fight, like for a profile? What be your preparation? How long before was you proper? Or was it every day anyway? You know, before you really hit the skids. I was always in the gym. I was like a gym bug, to be fair. I think that's my that's probably my downfall. Mm. Um, for a lot of fights, uh, so I was always in the gym. I think in. I think in eight years or so, the longest I had out of the gym was two weeks. Jesus. So I'd literally have a fight. A minute I had my stitches taken out, I was back in the gym. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's it. Yeah, but it was my downfall. And then when I trained for a fight, I'd, I'd take over and stay reasonably fit. But when I got a date, I was just train like a lunatic. And then, again, that was probably my downfall as well. But um, yeah. I just used to think I ain't the most skillful fighter, but no one to beat me on fitness. So it's just... Work my ass off, basically. Yeah, fair play, mate. Let's talk about you winning that British worldweight title against Gary Corican. Have I said that right? Corican, yeah, Corican. What man, yeah. that? What's a fight? That was a great fight. Yeah, great fight. Um, is that a football match? To be honest with you. Um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just a match. It's, it's weird because it's like a big bubble to me. You know, it's a. Uh, Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard, quite hard to explain. It's just, yeah, I could hear... Like the, your mates of him. You're good mates of him. 
not good mates with him, but I knew him. I'd sparred him before, got him well. And then um, he had just lost, well, I'd say just lost. He had uh, he'd lost for the world title against uh, Jeff Holm, who beat Manny Pacquiao. All right. So when they, they phoned me up, I, I was in my ass and they phoned me up. I said, oh, we've got... Um, like, I took that fight with uh, little money as well. I won't say how much, but it was like not as much as I should have got. And uh, they phoned me up and they said, oh, we've got a fight for you to so the British title. I said, I'll take it. And they went, oh, I was against Gary Kakorum. I said, well, I'll definitely take it. And they went, oh, the money's not good. I said, the two things I've always wanted to fight, I've always wanted to fight Gary Kakorum just because we'll have a good fight. And the British title was my dream. I said, so if it comes to it, I'd fight for free. Mm. And they went, all right, we'll take it. And um, I took the fight and it turned out to be a possible fight of the year, which, uh, yeah, it was a cracking fight. The whole the whole night was just a good night. Yeah, talk, talk us through it, mate. Talk us through everything. Um, yeah. Well, where do I start? <laughs> I think you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously, there was fights in the crowd as well, and I'm pretty sure you know about that. But um, me being from Peckham and a lot of boys from Peckham and Millwall and that, and then him being a traveller, just not a good combination. Mm. Um. I don't. I don't think the way the. I don't think the police helped in that matter, because uh, I was getting phone calls for two weeks solid, of Essex police, uh, Essex police, Metropolitan Police, BT Sports, Frank Warren, like literally you name it, everyone was phoning me up. We heard you're bringing loads of Millwall fans. I was like, I always bring Millwall fans. Uh, we heard you bringing this. You bring, I mean, I always bring Millwall fans. There's never any trouble. And then when I turned up, that's when I, when I said I thought it was like a football game. There was meat wagons everywhere, old bill everywhere. I was getting searched. So you always get searched going into it, but the way they searched me was ridiculous. And then when someone went, oh, that's the Millwall boy, I got searched again. So, um, yeah, so um, I think the whole the whole thing about it just made a bit of tension and got everyone back a bit. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, obviously, Ralph people every morning, the fight happened, and then I think me and Gary pretty much went at it from round one or two mm. and then that's when it just went off everywhere then they all calmed down and then uh, I think everyone just focused on me and Gary then because what a fight it was yeah are you are you aware of this what's going on in the, I was going to ask obviously before I remembered the, the the violence in the crowd you know when you said before they're chanting like moo are you can you hear that or do you zone out at times you do hear it to be you do zone out but you do you do hear it as well you can't not hear it really but then um when it was fighting as well, you could hear the fighting and you could hear the fella on the mic set, like he's basically ringside saying, stop the fighting, the fight will be stopped. I was thinking, drop me out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then uh, the, the one thing, <laughs> I remember I went back to the corner, I think it was either the second or third round and um, my gum shield for the first two or three rounds, I say, it always used to dry my mouth out really bad. Then I've um, gone back to the corner and I'm going, like, Ed, Ed gets a drink. And he, I ain't hearing him. I went, Ed, get a drink. Still nothing. I went, Ed, get a drink. I've turned around. He's standing there looking like that. Went, oh, sorry. I was watching the big fight. <laughs> and then um, my coach, Al, turned around and like, he swore at him, you fucking idiot. Don't tell him that. And he went, sorry, John. And just give me a drink. Um, yes, yeah, so I definitely know there was a fight happening. <laughs> oh, unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. And when you, when you won the fight. I stopped him in the 11th round. Brilliant. Well, yeah, it's good mate, the roar as well for the crowd. Oh, it, was, it went mental. But uh, the way the lights was, I couldn't really see the, the way the lights was in the um, Brentwood. 
I couldn't really see out to the crowd. So when you looked out, all you see was bright lights. All you could just see was bright lights and just madness, basically. And then in the ring, it was just going crazy. So, yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, it's just a, uh, yeah. Celebrate long into the night and the next day? Well, after a fight, we, my coach used to say, don't drink after a fight. Because obviously, if you've got a bleed on the brain or something, no one will really know. So I never used to drink after a fight. But, um Everyone used to meet up in a pub and I'd go back there and meet after. And I think, where did we go? We all went back to the Blue Anchor. Mm. We went back to the Blue Anchor, got back there, everyone was paralytic. I'm sitting there sober as a judge. <laughs> Face stitched up. Uh, yeah, that no, was good. It was good. And then by this time, of course, you get recognition from the club, you get paraded on the pitch. What was that day like for you and your family? Yeah, it was, well, I've been on the pitch a few times, to be honest, but um, I think. Um, when I went, I got to take my little girl on the pitch as well. So that was nice to see me, you know, to bring my daughter down to Millwall and things like that. And actually, people to recognise you. You know, um, I remember I've been to Millwall a few times when I won the Southern area and I've always been recognised. But then I remember when I walked onto the, the pitch, everyone sort of cheered. So that was nice. So, yeah. You made it, you're the champ now. I've seen a few people say this before in different sorts of sports. Uh, Tyson Fury is one example. Once he got, to that dream, he just like, oh, I don't know what to do now. What was your thoughts after you, you know, once the dust had settled? Um, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you win, but the, the British title, you have to win it and then defend it three times to keep it. Right. And um, so that was my goal then, to uh, defend it three times. But obviously, yeah, sadly, never went my way. No. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's just one of the Stupid question. I don't want to ask you what that was like. So obviously, after all the hard work to win it, it's fantastic. Obviously, you must have been gutted to not to not defend it. Yeah. Um, well, I got. I, I actually. Uh, where was it? We boxed. We boxed at Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. So um, they had him in boxing there in like years. So to box there, and I remember going for the promo and all that. I thought, oh, this is this is the nuts here. Like I've, I've hit jackpot here. And then. Um, Oh, I also found, I, knew, I knew I was fighting uh, Chris Jenkins. I knew Chris Jenkins' style was wrong for me. and uh, But I still believed I was going to beat him. I was still confident. I trained hard. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't want to make excuses because I don't want to take nothing away from Chris, but I wasn't right for that training or for the, um, for the fight. And then, obviously, he beat me. And then I think I'm, it's, it's, I, needed, I'm, I needed to lose, basically. To, uh, to sort myself out. And um, I felt I was just pushing myself too much in the gym. If I had an injury, I'd ignore it and just carry on pushing through it. And then I think on that night, I had a few... In, they, didn't, they didn't affect me in the fight, but I was getting frustrated and I was out of time and blah, blah, blah. And then I started to notice this injury and that injury. And I just think the frustration and everything built up on me on one night. And... Um, yeah, it was just one of them things, really. So then after that, we had to sit back, have a chat and, you know, um, try and sort out a few things. I had a rest, which I think I needed. I think I had a, about a two-month rest, which I needed. Then I had another fight. I come back and everyone said, I look like I rolled back the years. Yeah. And then I was due to fight Chris Jenkins for the rematch, but he'd gone on to win the Commonwealth title as well. Right. So I was due to fight him at the O2 for the British and Commonwealth title. And to be honest, I was 100% sure I was going to stop him. I was 100% sure I was going to stop him. I was so confident. I hadn't been that confident 
in a good few years. I've, I just felt brilliant. And um, yeah, then COVID kicked in. Yeah, it's bollocks, man. It, sorry, so a couple of things to pick up for there that I wanted to ask you. You said first time he wasn't that confident with his style. Did you feel you learned enough in the first fight to turn it around in the second? Or was you just mentally no, better and stronger? Not really. Um, I think the rest, I think we had the rest after I lost. I think that opened like, I knew when I had the rest, I realised I can't keep pushing myself day in, day out, like 100 mile an hour. And um, that was part of the thing we'd done when I was training. If I was overdoing it with his back for the next day or when I was going track, um, as soon as I put me on the track, I'd just do, if they say do 400 metres or 800 metres, however many times, I'd run it as fast as I can every time and just uh, leave it all on the track, really. And then after that, you'd say, all right, slow it down. We're allowed to do it in a time, and you're not allowed to go faster that time or slower than that time. Yeah. So I wasn't, um, and obviously age kicked in, so we had to be a bit more clever with it. And um, I used to spar three times a week. We dropped it down to two times a week, so I was a bit more fresher. And um, I think just where I got a bit older, weren't recovering as quick. We just had to change things, and then I think it had a massive help. And I think it showed when I boxed in December, and then throughout my training for the second fight. I think it was starting to show. And we, I think we just got it all right. And obviously, the fight never happened. Mm. I really sympathise with you. Like, I'll take me off to anyone as a sportsman, but especially as, for example, a boxer, you're, you're in a single-person sport. I know you've got your trainer and your team behind you, but like you just said, if it's football, there's 11 of you. If one of you is a little bit off your game, carrying a little knock, the others can carry you through, can't they? Maybe. But it's all on you, isn't it? It's a, it's a big fucking responsibility to take. No one can help you out, mate, once you're in there. No, to be fair, like injuries and things like that, I'm never really used to let them get get to me too much. I'm I'm wondering people can bite down my gum shield and get on with it. But I've had a hand injury for say about six years. Like most of my title fights and I've had a hand injury I've always had problems with, but it, it, I just never let it affect me. I've had a rib injury for three years. I've still got it. I've sparred the other day. I sparred last week and uh I got it in the rib and I thought, Oh my rib's gone again. But uh so there was always little injuries I had, but I just wouldn't let them affect me. I just haven't been, I think, we're frustrated. Well, we, I think I was a bit fatigued, that's the word. Yeah, I think I was a bit fatigued in for the fight. So I was at half a pace behind. And then when I was getting frustrated with it, I think that's when my injury started to flare up, just from frustration, basically. Talking about your sparring, just going off that subject slightly, we'll stick him with the sparring. I put it on social, obviously, a day you was coming on, and a couple of people said, ask him about the time he... Spar with George Groves. Groves openly admits Johnny bashed him right up. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I did go over it. I went over to go to uh, Adam Booth's quite a lot for sparring because Adam Booth and uh, Al Smith, my coach, are good mates. So um, we used to go over to sparring. Sam Webb sparring George Groves was, I can't remember what a fight it was for. But then they said, oh, well, I was warming up for, to spar someone. They said, oh, you just jump in and do a couple of Groves. And I went, all right. And I've, I've always, I've known Groves for years and he never seemed that big. And then I remember I got in the ring, I thought, God, he's grown in here. He just seemed to get massive. And I thought, fucking hell, I'm going to have to write a stick it on him. I can't be on the end of his punch. But basically all I'd done was just didn't give him no room and just sat on his chest, basically. And just been a, a basically a pain in the ass. And um, yeah, he's obviously done the interview. I, did, I thought he forgot about it. To be honest, it didn't seem that much of a big deal, but then... He said in the interview the other month, it was uh, something that played in his mind. So, um, yeah, big compliment. <laughs> yeah, fair play to him for um, holding his hands up. So, so 
again, for someone who doesn't understand boxing totally, is he the same weight as you? No, he's he's like three weights heavier. Oh, there you go. Said, yeah, back, yeah. So how, how can you spar him? You you you've done a number on him, but if you fought him in a professional match, what... uh, do I, I think if it's a proper fight, he would have knocked me spark out. But um, it's the thing with boxing when you come up against punches, and you know everyone seems to think, oh, stay away from a puncher. Mm. But then for me, I've always I was talking about this the other day to someone. I've always thought. With a puncher, the last thing you want to be at is the end of their shot. So if I got in with someone who was a, a big puncher, I'd go up close to them. And everyone used to think, Kai, you're off your head, you get up uh, close to a puncher. But I'm not imagine being sparked because I'm not giving him his range. If you're at the end, of, if you're running from someone, you get caught at the end of that punch, you're out cold. But then if you don't let him get that range and just rough him up and mess him up, then they start to get frustrated and they can't get their punches off. So, um, it makes sense. yeah, you look braver than you are, really. <laughs> no, it makes sense to me, mate. Even even a non-boxer. Um, your last ever fight. Let's talk about that. Which was, well, let's talk about it all. It's, I, I, myself and some others thought that would be the comeback fight. Ended up being the final fight. So what yeah, yeah. I thought this led you to that decision. Well, what happened was, um, what was that fight? Uh, was that a six or eight rounder? I can't remember. I think it was a six rounder. Obviously, I had um, me loss. And then I had a break, and then obviously I said I still want to carry on. And my coach, uh, Al Smith, and my manager, they they wasn't too sure, to be honest. They said, we think you've had too many tough fights. Yeah. Like, you're getting on a bit. Um, like, think about it, really. So then uh, I was convinced. I said, no, it was a bad day in the office. Like, let me prove it. So they said, all right, we give you a fight. Um and we need you to perform. So I went, okay. So we, as I said, we changed my game, uh, the training plan. So I worked out 100 mile an hour every day. And then, what was it? Yeah, and it was all going fine. And then what happened? My, I think I had a change of opponent last minute. Because, yeah, my um, my missus was pregnant at the time. Yeah. And her placenta ruptured. Jesus. So she was rushed in for emergency C-section. So then... For two weeks, I was staying in the hospital with her, looking after her and the kids. And then, um, obviously, when I've told me, coach, he said, all right, don't worry about your weight, this, that, and the other. I think we ended up fighting at um, middleweight, which is two weights above me. Yeah, right. He said, but you still need to perform, and this, that, and the other. And I got in there, and when I boxed her, after I got out of the ring, I went, God, you've really rolled back the years now. They said, you ain't not that good in years. Like, you stuck to the game plan. And then Chris Jenkins... Um, Manager was there, funny enough. And uh, he came up to me, he said, oh, you look brilliant there, John. He said, um, what is it? Yeah, you look brilliant there. Like, you look back to your youth. We'll give you a shot. And he said, you've got your win now. You can have another shot. Like, you give us the opportunity. We give you opportunity back. And then you know, the deal was done. So uh, uh, Chris and his manager agreed to it. It's all signed up, ready to go. And then? And then COVID. <laughs> and then COVID, but then during COVID, you am I wrong in saying you've retired? Yeah, well, that was due basically. Um, I think I was three weeks away from fighting Chris Jenkins in a rematch. Yeah. And then COVID kicked in, they postponed the fight. Obviously, I never got paid out for nothing, just paid a five weeks training camp. So uh, that will come out of my own pocket. And then we was in the process of buying a new house as well. And then that just went through. Two kids. Um, yeah, but lucky enough at the time, 
we had sold our ass and we was living with uh, Gemma's mum and dad. Big Mill fans, by the way. Big Mill fans. Massive Mill fans, yeah. So, um, yeah, thankful, thankfully, like, I weren't having to pay out nothing because they said, live with us, save up some more money until we find somewhere to buy. And we'd put an offer into somewhere, which is where it to go through. So, lucky enough, when the fight uh, fell through, I wasn't really paying out much. It was just literally car bills, kids, food, and et cetera. Yeah. And then, um, then the house went through, so then that went through. And then we moved in. Well, we went to move in, and the house needed so much work. Like, literally, needed complete rewiring, needed complete like every you name it, needed doing. So then, that skinned me. Uh, we had to borrow money, this that, and the other. Then they offered me the Chris Jenkins fight behind closed door that was meant to be on the first BT Sports Show. Yeah. Um. Because there's no crowds, they offered, They said the money isn't good. The money offered me was just, it was terrible, to be honest. So I thought, I've boxed for little money before, and I thought, I can't really do it now. So I, I just said, I can't really, and um, I can't take that. So they said, all right, hold on a bit. So I went to get a job, and then uh, couldn't get no jobs, because there's no jobs going around in the first lockdown. Yeah, no. But I managed to get a job with uh, Amazon. So I was doing deliveries with Amazon. Yeah, I know. And then, <laughs> I've done that, jumped on it. Yeah, so I done that, but then the, the hours I was finishing was too late, so then I couldn't train, and I just thought, if I can only train three, four times a week, to be honest, that's not good enough. And uh, I you know I love this sport; I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything to uh, tarnish it. So I just thought I'd call it a day. I was used to training twice a day, four or five times a, a week. Yeah, to train four times a week, but all in all, I thought I can't do it, and I ain't gonna disgrace myself by doing that and um, I just thought I better call it a day yeah it's a shame so I've been there as well but I've been it's a similar different well different situation but similar in some ways I was learning to do the knowledge but I was also getting married also had another business also had a kid on the way and I couldn't dedicate my time to the knowledge that I needed to to, to get it done do you know what I mean so I ended up well I'm not even married anymore either but that's another story but um, so is oh, it, <laughs> just um, a financial situation regarding sponsorship that's preventing you from maybe giving it one last shot? Not even that, because you can't even really blame sponsors because sponsors can't really pay out if they're not getting no money themselves. There was, no, there was nothing going about. So mm. it was just, in general, just a bad time, really. Like, the only thing you can really blame is COVID. That's the only thing I can say is COVID. And, you know, if it, if it weren't for that, I would have had that fight. And I honestly believe I would have won that fight. And then... You know, we set up for the fight with Conor Ben then. And then, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just one of them things, you know. Yeah. Such, such a, but if you say, so you, you're not, saying you're old, you're not old. You're, what are you, 30? What are you, 32? 34. I just, I just turned 34. Yeah, it's just, it's just such yeah. a shame, mate. Like, for example, if someone dangled the carrot in hindsight, you know, and said, look, four, five fight deal on the telly, X amount, would you then go, all right, I'll have it? Yeah, obviously now it'd have to be about the money because I took I took so many fights in like my early career for literally silly money, like stupid money, just for the fact to fight for that title. And I thought the way I'd done my career was if I win that title, then obviously that opens up the next title. So I slowly climbed the ladder, earning very little money. And then um, when I won the British title, that's when I started asking for money. But then that's when no one wanted to pay. 
Yeah. And I thought I've done everything to get there. Now no one wants to pay. But uh, yeah, if obviously if I got offered a decent payday, then I ain't gonna turn it down there. Nah, no, such a it's such a shame, mate. For as dedicated <laughs> as you were, and for how well you've done, how badly you wanted it to get to the top, COVID to fuck it over. That has fucked a lot of people over. But it would be such a shame, mate, to to see it end in that way. Do you know what I mean? And I, I sure as no. well. I mean, I used to play football, not to a good standard, but the last time I ever played football, I didn't know it was going to be the last time I played football. Do you know what I mean? No, I definitely didn't think my last fight was going to be my last fight. Yeah, yeah. So you, like, you'd like to know, like your last fight, at least you'd know, and then you can soak up every last bit and experience it to the max, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's um, my last fight. I just, um, you know, my head was all over the place. I, I just thought, all right, this is just to get me my title shot again. Mm. So that's all it was. It was just a stepping stone, basically. And uh, yeah, if I would have known it was my last chance, I'd have, you know, I'd have uh, really lapped up, enjoyed it. I might have had a dance with the crowd or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, yes, um, yes. Uh, you know, it does leave a bit of taste. It's more. I always said I was going to retire that year. So the fact that it is that doesn't bother me. It's the way I lost to Jenkins is what really bothers me. Mm. Well, at least there's a lot of Mill fans that watch this, and I get sponsored by a lot of Mill fans. So let's just not for a minute. Let's not say you retired. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what comes of this. But, um, <laughs> one standout fight, I suppose it would be your win, wouldn't it, for the for the British title? Yeah, that is that is my uh, highlight of my career. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Brilliant. So, what are you up to now? Are you looking to stay within boxing if you don't get back in the ring? Well, <laughs> I was doing. Um personal training so I was doing a lot of personal training I was just starting to pick up my clients and then obviously we uh, <laughs> we come into this other lockdown and then they close all the gyms and it started snowing so then that sort of crippled that so <laughs> yes, you know, I am um, lucky enough my old uh, my old firm which I was a mechanic for they offered me a job so I'm back with them there um, doing fleet mechanics and tailgift engineering and um but then I'm still doing my PTs on the side. So I'm going to work some evenings and I'm going to do PTs and Saturday mornings I'm doing PTs. So I'm still around the gym. I've got to, uh, when things ease off a bit, I'm going to go and get my um, coach's badge and help out a few of the gyms and just help fighters really if I can. Yeah, it'd be brilliant, mate. Nothing, nothing, you know, your experience will be absolutely invaluable to them, wouldn't it? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> You'd always get a meal crowd at the back of as well. That's, that's the good thing. I asked this yeah, question um, earlier on to, to, an, to another fellow I interviewed, and I, I, but I know what your answer is going to be. Well, I think I do. If you could go back to when you stepped into that boxing ring at 18, you could look ahead to, into the future and be as successful as you was and won the titles you did, but as a footballer with Millwall, would you change it from being a boxer? Oh, <laughs> nah. Um, <laughs> nah, um, nah, I, I loved... Um, I love, no, I'm not really a great football fan, to be honest with you. I just follow me all. Um, I love boxing, so I wouldn't change that for the world. But obviously, when you have them big games at Mill, you can't beat it. So you can imagine what the players must feel like. Yeah, it must be unbelievable, mate, mustn't it? Oh, yeah, mate, you are, you are, you are done. I'll get buzzing off it in the crowd. Imagine being a player there. No, unbelievable, mate. John, I've absolutely loved having you on, mate. It's been a really, really brilliant, honest interview. I loved every minute of it. And I, I genuinely hope you get back into it, mate, at some point. Cheers, thank you, and thank you for having me. Legend, mate. Thanks a lot, John. Sorry, can I um can I give young Danny Cooper a shout out? Because uh, I heard he's a big fan of your show. Yeah, we'll do, mate. Yeah, Danny Cooper. Yeah, I know he's getting about a bit on this show, Danny Cooper. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell him about it. Yeah, 
Nice family. Yeah, really. I work, as I said, I work with his dad. So, um, yeah, his dad's he's always tuning in. So I said, I'll give him a shout out. Top man. And what I'll do is, um, if you, I'll stick your details or your Insta or what in the description. If anyone wants some PTs, if we ever get out this fucking lockdown, then they can give you a shout out. Uh, oh, yeah, there's another one for you. There's a young pro coming up, Mill fan as well. Uh, it will be incredible talent, better than me. It's young Michael Burke. So, any Mill fans out there, Keep your own young Michael Burke, he's a big Millwall fan, and what a talent. Yeah, lovely man. Um, yeah, keep behind him. Another one off the production line. Yeah, honestly, he's kicking fire. Honestly, seriously, he's a serious fire. Just like you. So, um, yeah. It's about you, mate. Love having you on. Thanks so much. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers, mate. Cheers, thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.